for joining us on episode 10 of the Bell to Bell podcast. It's available to see us in the flesh on VIP YouTube or uh, us three this week who, are, who all have faces for radio. You can have a listen on Spotify and download. There'll be other outlets coming in the coming weeks. And John Evans and myself and Steve Wood, we're having a big summit over Christmas and New Year of what we're going to do with this pod and improve it even more next year. But um, I'm Steve Linnis and we've got John Evans, my co-host with me, and alongside him, uh, first person to make a second appearance on the pod, one of the most knowledgeable boxing journalists anywhere, Chris McKenna, man whose wise words you read every day in the Daily Star, I think the Mirror and Express, and he also has a top-notch Saturday column, he ghostwrites columns, he's here, there, he's everywhere, a real, a real genuine boxing man. Um, great to have you on, Chris, and I appreciate you uh, coming on, especially after a week in the bubble, which must have been pretty hectic. Yeah, it was a busy all week. Um, Anthony Joshua fight weeks are always busy, but uh, it was a bit different, obviously, isolated in a hotel in London, but we got there in the end and we got a great performance out of him, so... Brilliant. You okay, John? Big John there with you. I see your little, your, your wonderful dog next to you there. Yeah, Lloyd's fast asleep. Bad, bad time for Lloyd at the moment. He's got bad knees, so he's, he's going for D-Day at the vets on Wednesday. Well, but, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't look too concerned, to, too concerned at the moment, to be honest. Best of luck to Lloyd Hannigan's, uh, the dog <laughs> named after him on there at the vets on Wednesday. And we want a big update next week. Good, good luck, Lloyd. He can't hear me anyway. And if he did, he'd think, <laughs> Who the hell is that lunatic there talking? <laughs> right, I'm sure everyone knows the procedure now. Six topics, three minutes um, each topic, so six three-minute rounds. Chris, John and myself have picked two topics each. Um, if you're first time listening, you'll soon get what we're on about. Um, I'll start this week. John, um, uh, John's just vanishing. He's Lloyd, check it out. No, Lloyd's only... Oh, he's got that bell. We needed the bell. Yeah, I forgot yeah. the main prop. <laughs> I've, got, I've got one thing to remember and I... Forgot it. Well, we, we'll we let go. you off, mate. We'll let you off. Uh, I'm going to start this week because it's the topical thing. And um, it's a bit of Wembley woe for me. Now, I know few people, certainly in boxing, will agree with me here, I think. And I, and I know it's all about money, but I don't get how Fury versus AJ1 cannot be at Wembley. I know there's fortunes to be earning Qatar, Saudi Arabia, these sort of countries. But I think we've... The year the country's had this year, where they've suffered, the, the, one of the biggest sporting events in, in, in British history is going to go abroad, the first fight between them. I, I find it quite criminal. Um, I mean, it's really bad. And I don't want to hear promoters across the board in Britain and America start telling me it's for the fans anymore. Because it's a line that's dragged out to sell shows so often. We know boxing is a business and it's about money. And I think as special circumstances of what people have gone through the last 12 months and what people in London are going to go through from Wednesday again, where they're just getting used to their football matches and stuff. And this fight's going to go, you know, behind, you know, a, a closed door to British fans as such by going to Saudi Arabia. I know you can use COVID as an allowance and all that, but you look at countries like Qatar, which is a possibility, they're still not letting people in the country. So there's no guarantee you're getting there. So I don't like the COVID excuse. And I just think it's wrong. But money talks. You're right. Money, money does talk. And I agree with you, Steve. This is never in British boxing history have we had the top two guys in a division 
both at the peaks, both in the primes, such wildly different characters, wildly different styles. Everything is geared up for a massive event, a monster thing for Britain will come to a standstill, won't it? It'll be like a World Cup game. There'll yeah. be pubs showing it, there'll be people outside. And I agree, Steve, I just think it's outrageous that it's not going to be in Britain. Also, if it's a two-fight deal, the second fight can't yeah. possibly yeah. be in Britain, unless we stick it in the Millennium Stadium in November. But, you know, it's cold, it's drafty. The first fight should be next summer, Wembley Stadium, 90,000 people. There's more than enough money to go around and let this rematch go abroad. But next year should be for the country and it should be for British boxing. And if it goes to Middle East, what we'll suffer is obviously the fans missing out and the atmosphere. Yeah. What makes these nights so special is the atmosphere. Yeah. And, that's, and we'll miss that if it goes over there. It just won't be the same. That, that's right, Chris. Same. That's a great point on the atmosphere because if you look at... Joshua, then Wembley nights when he's won. They've been events. I've read your stuff. You wrote about how brilliant it is in there. It's like the Ricky Hatton nights that we all remember um, so well in the Manchester Arena. A lot of people just went for the day out, the night out, to be part of the event. And, you know, one thing we do better than anybody in this country is atmosphere. You go to Las Vegas, it's a zero atmosphere in an arena till 20 minutes before the, before the war, 10 minutes before Floyd Mayweather makes his ring walk. Can you imagine the, the 10 minutes before Joshua and Fury come out at Wembley oh. Stadium on a summer night? Oh. Oh, yeah. even, even last week with a 1,000 fans, it just felt like different. And Yeah, I saw your tweet, Chris, on that, I think, about the fans. There we go. John, um, your, your first topic, I think it's a, a guy you're pretty close to. Yeah, Felix, poor Felix Vadeo. I'm going to say poor because I'm a little bit biased. I, I thought this guy was an absolute certainty for the Hall of Fame. I didn't just think he was going to be a world champion. I thought he was going to be one of those guys who carries the sport for a while. You know, he, he fought Lomachenko back at London 2012 when he was very young. I think he was 17, did really well. Um, top rank signed him and Lomachenko so you could see what they were thinking. I saw him in the flesh for the first time on the undercard of Rigondo and Donaire. And he was sensational. You know, he looked, he looks good. He's fast hands, devastating power, boxing ability. And, and the Puerto Rican fans really latched onto him. Um, I saw him again on the undercard of Lomachenko against Rocky Martinez. And on that night, I walked from the bowels of Madison Square Garden down away from the arena next to him with Vadejo, with Puerto Rican fans shouting his name. And it, it seemed like he was one fight away from capturing and that was it. That was the peak. Since then, he's lost two fights to fringe world guys. He's lost in similar ways both times. And he's tried different trainers. And it just doesn't seem like Felix is going to do it. Uh, I think that his love of the party life and love of being a, a bit of a star in Puerto Rico caught up with him. Things haven't changed since he's gone to Vegas. And I just feel he's one of those talents which isn't going to quite achieve what he should have done. I mean, maybe... Yeah. Sorry, Chris, you... Oh, so yeah, maybe if you can't, if you've got a love of the party life, going to Vegas isn't the best place for yeah. you. But you, you've got to also wonder as well with his training camp for this fight. Salas flew over back to the UK in October, then he flew back to Vegas, then he flew back to the UK. He was due to be in Joe Joyce's corner, then he tests positive for COVID, then he flies back. I, I don't know how he's done that, what way he's worked out. I assume he hasn't then been in camp with him. So it's, it's not been a great camp for him either as well, which, which I'm sure won't have helped. But like John says, yeah, a, a talent that just looks like he's never going to really fulfil the, the unreal abilities that he looked to have. Yeah, I was going to make a similar point to Chris there. But also, you know, I just think was, 
I know, you know, John knows him and the people around him pretty well. But I think a lot, maybe a lot of that success where he was looking so brilliant was um, great matchmaking by by top rank. I mean, I was, you know, when you mentioned you're going to talk about this, I looked at his record today and the guys he beat, you know, like the 22 and zero guys he beat, there were Brazilians that had beaten six guys with winning records. And hindsight's a wonderful thing. But imagine Terry Flanagan's profile when he was trying oh. to get away. He was trying to divide, divert him away from that. If he'd fought him in 2016 and beaten him, um, 20, Terry Flanagan wouldn't be one of Britain's most unknown world champions ever. He's only known... Look, I'm not, I love Terry. You know him. Yeah. Chris, your first topic. Yes, yeah, so the uh, underappreciation of um, Callum Smith. Um, I just find it bizarre that this week he's going into a fight against the biggest name in boxing and I don't think the whole country will be behind him. And I just find that absolutely amazing because of all the Brits that Canelo's fought, Callum is the only one where I really believe he has a chance um, to, to go out there and win. I'm not saying he's going to do it because it's a monumental task. Canelo is a far better fighter even now than what his brother Liam fought, but why isn't the whole country behind him? I don't get it. He's, he's gone and won his world title. He didn't do it the easy way. He could have sat and waited for his WBC shot. He'd waited long enough. He went into the World Super Series tournament, won that, beat George Groves. Okay, he was coming off the back of an injury, but he still did a job on a, a proper, proper world champion. And he's the, the, undoubtedly the number one in the division. And if he beats Canelo, he's undoubtedly beyond any doubt. So... I don't know whether it's down to maybe the Smith brothers, maybe the, the people don't always warm to them. Again, I don't get that because all four of them are some of the nicest guys in boxing. So I think that is one problem. And the John Ryder fight where people seem to want them to lose that fight. They, they were given rounds to John Ryder just to, to see Callum Smith get beaten. Yeah. A very, very close fight. I thought Callum just nicked it. And you couldn't have argued if John Ryder got it, but some people think that yeah. John Ryder won it by eight rounds the way they talk about it. Yeah, but you know what? I agree with you. I think you make a great point there, Chris, about um, the um, popularity, the um, visions people have of the Smith family. I've, I spent a lot of time, I think you know, Chris, with Liam Smith during his Box Nation days. I went to Dallas with him for a press conference. I was with him for nine days out there, and I got pretty close to Liam during then. still speak occasionally. And... The amount of time I've spent defending Liam, what he's like as a guy to people in boxing, you know, he doesn't need me to defend him, but, you, you know, you've had to do it. And I think there is this um, persona that some people don't warm to. Callum, viciously um, underappreciated. You know, you, the rider fight, it's like history's been rewritten like it always is in boxing. And if you listen to a lot of people, it was the greatest robbery ever. I thought he just won. But that, 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 that is, he's won true below par night at the office and he still come through against a fighter who's vastly improved from the one that lost to Billy Joe Saunders um, fought, who fought it was Nick Blackwell um, you know some people even found holes in the Groves win you know saying how shot, shot Groves was yeah George wasn't the fighter he was but look back at the fight and how good was Callum that night he never looked him let him be a fighter Sorry, John, you never... Don't worry about it. We're on to the next, aren't we? Let's say uh, it's been a good end to the year for Sam Jones, hasn't it? You know, um, he got Joe Joyce beating Dubois. He, he gambled right there. But I thought he spoke a hell of a lot of sense on Saturday after Florian Marku and 
got a draw with uh, Mr. Stewart when he said, we're not having a rematch, we're just going to carry on. And that's the attitude people should have. I mean, what's Mark who 3-0 and he fought a guy who has been on the white collar circuit who was 2-0. I've got a mate who cornered a guy on white collar who beat Stewart twice. So that's the level Stewart's at. We don't want a rematch. Nobody cares about a rematch. Just let Marku get on with it. If, if he wasted three or four months preparing for a 2-0 guy to gain revenge over him, it would harm his career more than getting the winner benefit it. But it seems these days where if he's even a remotely close fight, everybody's harking on about a rematch straight away. No, let's just get on with it. Let everybody go their own ways. There's plenty of fighters. There's plenty of styles. I don't want to see the same guy time after time after time. And I certainly don't want to see a 3-0 guy rematching a 2-0 guy because they had a draw. Go yeah. your separate ways, get on with it, and improve as fighters. I, mean, I never saw the fight, so I can't comment on the fight. I've read what people have thought of it, and it seems he was harshly done by it. it was, um, I didn't see the early part of the card, Saturday. But um, what I will say for Sam, we're going a little bit off topic, so I can't talk about whether the rematch is vindicated. Until about two weeks ago, Florian Marku was just a ticket seller and was known by the London Albanian community. But the job Mad Sam Jones has done on him on Twitter, challenging everybody and offering everyone out, is nuts. You know, look, I mean, whatever you think of Sam, he's got got his name out there. But um, I'm not sure that Florian is going to be this world away, this world of Belter who's going to leave a trail of destruction, they think. Yeah, it's just as well, what John's saying, though, I just... Why rematch him? Like, if Marku goes on to do anything in the sport, and we don't know, we still a lot to see of him and see what he can do. Even if he goes and wins a title, are people going to go, ah, yeah, but you had that draw with, with, back then, like, um, so you're not really that good. Just forget about it. Move on. Bad decision. He should have won the fight. Everybody thinks he won the fight. Just get on with your career and, and start picking out fights that are going to develop him, not fight going back to it, a fight that wasn't, wasn't great even to watch. It wasn't, a, it, 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 sure, it was quite awkward for him. So I don't want to see that again. And it's going to do no harm to his career. Fighters at that stage should be working on different styles. We should be preparing for southpaws, tall yeah, guys, well, small guys. We shouldn't be aiming a complete six-week build-up to gaining revenge over somebody who's 2-0. and It's like the, the most important stage of a fighter's career and it shouldn't be wasted on pointless rematches. What you said about fighting southpaws and all that, that's down to matchmakers. Oh, it's another topic for another night. My final topic, uh, this is where Chris is going to earn his money. Well, no one earns any money from this, but... It's Sorry, what? what? Well, no money? This is, oh, where, this, go. this is where Chris from the Daily Star earns his big bucks. Um, look, you know, I'm a bit... You know, I'm not at too many fights at the moment. Um... And I wonder what life is like in the bubble for boxers, journalists, people li- living in it. I mean, I've heard stories that, you know, know some boxers, like I think Zelfa Barrett and Pat Barrett didn't enjoy one minute of it in the bubble um, when they were there. And I've heard of other fighters really struggling with weight. Um, you know, Chris, what's, what, how have you found life in the bubble? I think you've been in two or three now where you've been locked in a hotel room. Yeah, I mean, for a journalist, it's not terrible. Look, it, 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 it's not great. Yeah, you've got to spend it. 15 to 18 hours in the room initially waiting for your test results and that's a bit nervy and all of that but when you get kind of get out it's it's I've actually in a weird way enjoyed them because I've got to spend a bit more time with boxing people trainers managers 
and the, some of the boxers themselves that you generally don't get to sit around with because you go in, do a press conference usually, and then leave the hotel and or they could leave the hotel and go back to where they're going. But in these bubbles, everybody's kind of together. It's a bit different with Joshua. He's a megastar. He had his own floor. But it, it was kind of, I've enjoyed that being around him. For the fighters, I think it's difficult. A lot of them like to get go out for a run. Can't do that. They can run on a treadmill, not the same. A lot of them like to go out for a walk. Can't do that. We've seen Derek Chisora pacing up and down on a, a balcony for like 20 minutes, just up and down, up and down. That's not what he wants to do. He wants to go have a walk around wherever he lives or wherever he's based in his training camp. So I think that's difficult. As you say, making the weight, they can't, they, they have gyms and that they're perfect, but they can't really get them really hot and get a good the proper sweat on. They can bring their own food and all of that. But again, is it the same? I don't know. And another thing they don't like is after a weigh-in, they all love a big treat, whether that be a nice Nando's, a nice steak, something like that. And that's not as easy to get in the bubble, obviously, either. Chris, just one quick question and for John. I know John might have something to say. Have there been any boxers you've met in the bubble who you've really warmed to, who you didn't really know before, you sat down for half an hour with? Um, I'm trying to think now. You put it on me. Um, I, well, I had some more time with Jack Catterall the other week, um, Lee Selby, um, who I've known for a while, but it's always good time to spend time around him. Um, Alexander Usyk was probably the best and the kind of highlight just to see him more about in his flesh talking in broken English but just to see the character of him was was um, unbelievable and how relaxed and laid back he is even before a big a big pay-per-view fight and how about Macaulay McGowan Chris you know he made a big impression did, did you see him Mr McGowan I, I, I did see him unfortunately I never got to have a conversation with him I had a chat with his coach Gary Booth um but I never got to spend a lot of time with him, but he was the hero of fight week. Cool, you did well having to suffer Gary there as well, blimey. Chris, <laughs> your, your final topic. I feel like I'm taking up too much time here, but um, yeah, so um, a column in the Times last week, which I did a quite a lengthy th- Twitter thread about um, by Matt Dickinson, who I'll start by saying is a very, very good journalist, um, a proper t- sports writer, um, I was just disappointed at, with one part of the thing where he had his views on, on boxing. He said he didn't want to watch it anymore because of the dementia debate, because of the risks and what it looks like. I understand that people are like that. I would hold nothing against them if you don't enjoy watching boxing. But the part which he, he mentioned that the defence, that the good the sport does in local communities doesn't defend it. And I have to say, I mean... It is the thing that defends it. It is why this sport should and should always exist. Until you can find something that's going to replace and fill that void, I just don't know how you can get rid of it. Because it's different than football. It's different than any other sport. Because one of the costs, two of what it does, it it channels aggression like no other. You, You can get aggressive on a football field. You get sent off. In a boxing gym, you can do it in a controlled environment. Um. And even if you don't get in the ring, even punching a bag lets out frustration to these kids. And also as well, I try not to take over all the time, but also as well, when, the, when there's a big bully around in school, when he's a, he's a hard man and he's walking around and he thinks he's this, he thinks he's that, he's getting into gangs, he's doing all that. There is nothing more humbling than going into a boxing gym and getting your head boxed off by the little quiet kid at school who doesn't say anything to anybody but you never knew he's just, it happens to be brilliant when you put a head guard and a pair of gloves on him. And that changes people when you get humbled like that. Yep. 
Really, yeah, well, Chris, let's my point. That one, what did, we, we, we say Matt Dickinson, I know him very well, and he's a nice fella. I like him a lot. And he, as you say, is a brilliant writer, brilliant journalist. He's done the, the hard yards over the years. He hasn't just appeared from nowhere like a lot of these celebrity writers. Um, what, what, what it does me, it, 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 he writes this about, you know, what it does, it, it doesn't really work the community side for him. It's because he hasn't been and looked. This is where... Go and look. Go down to a gym. There'll be a gym near where he lives. Go and look, and then he'll see the results of that. But what happens so often is it always around the big fight, like Joshua fight with these high-profile dons, as they're known, uh, chief sports writers, come out of the woodwork with this sort of stuff. I mean, if you want, if you want to start dissecting stuff, you know, look at the sport he covers mainly football and. You know, the, 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 the radio silence from these guys over the David Luiz incident the other week where he was out on his feet for about 30 minutes, played the rest of a half before he'd come off and hasn't been seen since. Now, that to me is, as you know, as dangerous as any boxer gets, more dangerous than a boxer being allowed to carry on after being dropped heavily in rounds one, two or three. Oh, I, I, I agree. I agree. It's... It, it was timed perfectly, wasn't it, to make the most impact? I, I think that's the best way I could put it. You know, it came out the day 36 hours before Joshua fight, and it was just, I thought it was a bit of a look at me type thing. Look how, um, look how politically correct I am. You know, I, I don't want to see people hurting each other. But you're right, Steve. It, if he went to, say, Collierst and Moston, just down the road from me, and called him a co op after a session, and you see all the little kids who were tired with all the bags slung over their shoulders. They're too tired to go and do anything else, you know, to hang around the streets. They're going to go home to bed. It, it keeps the kids off the street, keeps them out of trouble. It keeps... Look at Darren Stewart at Weekend, who we just spoke about from the white-collar scene. He's been um, a drug addict, Darren. He got into white-collar boxing, got clean, and now he's fighting on Sky Sports pay-per-views, earning good money. So there you go. There's um, an example on the very weekend that Matt chose to put that piece out. There's a guy who has had his life turned around from boxing. You know, he's got clean of the drugs and he's, he's boxing on a big show. So, like you say, Steve, if he just went to one of these gyms, he would actually see firsthand the, the good it does and uh, might just have a little change of opinion. And look at some of these journeyman guys whose life, you know, I like to speak to Curtis Gargano a lot. He's got a load of journeyman kids and they're pure street kids. If they weren't going on the road fighting, going to that gym every day, waiting for the phone to ring for a fight... I'm telling you, they would be half of them would be banged up, and they won't mind me saying that. Yeah, and yeah, just go and see a gym, and you never know, Matt might do that. I think the flack he's probably had from people in boxing, I think that might inspire him to go go and see a gym and see what it's like, and then make a decision. That's why I've not. You still want to have that frame of mind that you don't want to watch two big heavyweights knock each other out. That's fair enough, but don't knock what it does in the community because it's it makes. It makes the sport so worthwhile because, as you say, life changes, community changes, and nobody knows spirit like boxing clubs. Look what they've done through the, the coronavirus. Loads of them, in, especially in the Northwest region, have gone out helping feed disadvantaged kids, deliver food to their doors. And I know other sports will do stuff, but there's just something about boxing being in the heart of a community that makes that a bit more special. And these big fights, like... Joshua and Fury, going back to what I said, they're at Wembley as well, particularly in this country. What Matt won't miss, that will get kids, that fight will get kids off the street. If that's an exciting 12 rounder, that, that will make kids go to the gym on a Monday. I remember when Naz was winning, people were queuing up to get kids wanted a box. 
You know, the number yeah. of, of, of Asian and Arabic kids that started boxing across the Nets. It's fantastic what big events can do as well. Definitely. Maybe definitely. that, but if, if we take Matt's article on what, he, on what he said, he doesn't want that. You know, he doesn't want people to be getting head injuries from boxing each other. So I, there's some sports I don't like, but like, like Chris said, I, I won't criticise people for not watching them, but boxing is fairly unique in that MMA is the same. I can understand people not liking MMA, but that's the same. Some of the kids that do MMA are real rough kids, you know, from real tough places. And it, they're doing something every night, you know, whereas they'd be on the streets or going around people's houses till three in the morning, getting up to all sorts. They're doing wrestling, judo, jujitsu, boxing. And it just it gives everyone a focus for further aggression. And yeah, well, I, we can't say it anymore, can we? I think we've said it all. Matt's just got to go and put his head around the gym door, make that intimidating first walk in when everybody looks at you, we've all done. And uh, maybe he might just change his mind a little bit. Right, I think that's about a five minute round. I'll tell you what, little Lloyd was wondering where the ball, big Lloyd was wondering where the bell was and he popped up and had a little <laughs> look at us. Um, Chris, brilliant for you to join us again this week. You're, you're, we'll get you back on next month again. You've always got an opinion, which is uh, good and you're not, you're not afraid to um, vent your opinion as usual. <laughs> or talk then, nonsense, whichever on, way you want to put it. Them boys on that football pack, mate, they must have the upper you, them football managers, mate, the way you vent your opinions. Some people say I don't say enough about it, but there we go. They'll be, they'll be counting down about another 40 years before you retire, mate, that and get rid of you then. Cause them that trouble. <laughs> John, I'll, take, I'll take another five years. Yeah, hey, at the moment, mate, anyone who's sticking around at the minute, mate, is, is doing well, mate. Now, pleasure to be on here, guys. Cheers, cheers, Steve, and cheers, John. Thanks, John. I'll speak to you in the week, Mr. Evans, and uh, good luck to Lloyd on Wednesday. That's the, the, big, the big story of the week. He's Lloyd uh, at the Vets on Wednesday. <laughs> For his double knee replacement. Double knee replacement. Good luck, Lloyd. <laughs> cheers, fellas. See you later, Steve. For all boxing, info, news, and latest interviews, amateur and pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP Boxing Promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.